welcome to the Simple Minds Podcast, where six mates unpack three topics over a new drink each week. Fuck it, just go with that, we'll fix it if it's... Welcome to the Simple Minds Podcast, I'm Conrad Francis, I'm your host today. That was near last week, I don't think. No. <laughs> no, no, you were neither not. Was, neither was I don't know I. where I am, but anyway, my intro glad, to be last back. Week. glad to be back in the proximity of these four young men, younger men, <laughs> and one lovely lady, <laughs> Steph. Um... Hi guys, hello. We've got. Uh, we'll start. We'll finish with Matt because I've got a story for Matt. Woo-hoo. G'day, Jacob. How's it going? How are you, buddy? Very well. Life's good. good. <laughs> getting pumped. Getting getting pumped, or you are pumped. Oh, you got a game. That's why you're getting pumped. Yeah, building okay. myself. Building. Up. I thought you get pumped in the office. <laughs> Justin Bourne. What's up? How are you, buddy? Great. Nice hairstyle. Thanks. Again, nice little segue to where we're going to end <laughs> these introductions. It's pretty stylish, though. Thanks. Any real reason why you change your haircut? No, it's not changed. Same, same. It looks, looks different. Maybe a slight difference. What's yeah. the slight difference? Uh, length on top? Little, yeah, a little bit of length on hanging top. down. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Michael, Michael can't comment on haircuts. <laughs> I can't. You know, I, I had my haircut today. He had his haircut. Just the one. <laughs> the one story. <laughs> How are you, mate? I'm good, thank you. It's quite shiny. It's been a good day. Been a good, good week. Day. Good week. Good week. Productive. Great. Good word. Productive. I like it. That's my word for the day. Matt J. Hannum. How are you, mate? Conrad Swaggy C.A. Francis. Matt J. Hannum. He introduces himself as Matt J. Hannum. Did you see that? I have did you to always notice that? Why was that? Because I had to add a little bit of extra brand piece Branding. I watched him introduce because himself a, today. It was actually quite impressive. Thank you. There's another There's another Matt Hannum out there, and he's a- uh, He's got a rig. He's got a rig, and he's an Instagram model. <laughs> <laughs> he operates in a different reality and world to me. So I- uh, the J is my different. Well, hang on, hang on. Actually, that's a, that's the best segue you've just given me into <laughs> some bit going? a bit Something of information I came across two weeks ago when I was at a fiftieth birthday barbecue, sitting down talking to a lawyer friend of mine, and said, "How do you know Matt Hannum?" And I said, "Oh, he's just a mate of mine, and we uh, catch up, we talk business, and we podcast together." He goes, "Yeah, did you know he had a fashion consultant? He had a style. He had a stylist." Is that true, Matt? <laughs> it is true. <laughs> I knew this. You knew this? I didn't know this. I'm sitting there pissing myself laughing. Hannah, you had a stylist. Why? Why did you need a stylist? Um, oh, look, stylist is, is one piece of the equation. I did a, I had a consultant. She became a good friend of mine who went through a series of, um, there was, I think, one sort of, one session and catch up was, was style on the end. But basically it was, uh, repositioning. Not how I was told, but go, keep going. Sure. Well, it, was a, it, was, it was a six session type um, sort of programmer protocol around repositioning everything that I did yep. uh, for the for what I was doing, the projects I was working on. Because you were, so you I, were so a I property developer back in those I days. I was. So to look the part, to uh, it involved everything I changed at the time on LinkedIn, the whole lot. Like, so it was a professional image program effectively that I went through and, and on the, off the back of that was style and, and the answer for me is we're black and grey and blue and that's it. Well, <laughs> well, whoever that stylist was, you want to give them a shout out? Are they still in the business? I do, Natasha DiCiano. She's um, not in the business. She's in the business of property development now. <laughs> she <laughs> well, failed. He's, <laughs> he's still wearing blacks and blues. Although I have no idea who you're talking about then. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that <laughs> off air. But, um, if it wasn't her. It was actually quite funny because I'm just sitting there enjoying this Sunday afternoon barbecue and then this topic comes up and I really just started laughing. But anyway, great to know these little tidbits of information people want to confess to me. Degrees of separation, probably zero right now. We'll fill in the story. Hey? No, no, that's fine. That's all I just wanted to I like the, the I like the idea. 
You really? Well, what yeah. do you need to style us for? You're pretty stylish. It's a personal brand. Well, brand, you don't have to think about. Oh, it's one less thing to think about. If you're just wear black, mate. Look, you just said black or blue. You don't have no, time. No. I like, I like the idea. If I could afford it, I'd probably do it. Oh, you can afford it. It wasn't that much, <laughs> and no, it's not about. It's not. I about. actually know how much it was. <laughs> oh, fair enough. How, what, what, my lawyer released some information <laughs> to you. <laughs> it wasn't that big a transaction. Trust me. No, it made him jealous. Made him jealous. He goes, "Why don't I just do that?" I said, "Because you clearly have no style." <laughs> But anyway, this could be a podcast in itself. It's a, yeah. Anyway, it's, it's, I just I've been sitting on this for about two weeks, so oh. thanks for letting me get it off my chest. <laughs> um, we are drinking today. Before we get on the topic, we are drinking today two types of ginger beer. Um, I don't mind ginger beer. I mean, it's a warm, balmy Friday afternoon. Mm. Uh, so this one is called Raw Jamaican product of Jamaica, alcoholic ginger beer, and it's made with real ginger. So if we can cheers to this, then we can open the topic up. Cheers. Oh, cheers. Spicy. Oh, it's a Jamaican man. Hey, cheers, bro. Cheers, Steph. Oh, that is spicy. Oh, it's, it's not bad. Oh, it's got a good. good. Get that. Put some hairs Did you on get your this head, Jamaica. <laughs> I think so. I have to go back for a haircut tomorrow. Hey. <laughs> a few weeks. A few weeks back. A few <laughs> weeks back, we um, we attempted to talk about masculinity. Uh, and it's a topic I think I really want to come back to at a future point in time. But this topic um, that we're going to talk about today was introduced to me via one of our listeners. And one of our, our listeners and one of mates of mine, Renee Blethen. So shout out to Renee. She's given me a ton of stuff to circulate with you guys. But this is probably one of the most interesting ones because I think it still touches on um, an element of masculinity that uh, I, I believe every one of us probably have some level of understanding with or exposure to. Okay. And she introduces the topic of uh, shame as Renee Brown puts it in her TED, uh, TED talk, because um, we, we all know Brene as the, the queen of vulnerability um, and how she opens topics about um, being vulnerable for growth and all of those types of things. But in this TED talk, she talks about the backbone of vulnerabilities, uh, overcoming shame or dealing with shame. Um, and it goes for about, I mean, look, usual TED talks, 18 minutes, 19 minutes, and it goes for about that period of time. It takes a little while to get into the issue and shame in men. Uh, and she talks about um, a, a quote by, or is a quote or even a mini speech by Theodore Roosevelt called The Man in the Arena, um, which is a fairly reflective quote. And I won't go into it word for word verbatim on here, but um, hopefully we'll post it in the podcast notes or in the, in the blog and, and talk to it. But gentlemen, I guess from about the 1526 mark or thereabouts, um, she starts to introduce the topic of shame in men. And I guess shame with me sits... It's fairly front of mind. Um, some of us here, and I know I do, I, I use a, a tool on a daily basis called the Enneagram to help me learn about me. And the Enneagram has a, um, a feeling center um, matrix, which uh, deals with anger, shame, and thinking, largely the spheres that you spend a lot of time in. And, and I'm an eight, and my base level emotion uh, it sits in, a, in an anger or rage perspective. But when I grow... I take on the strengths of what they would call a number two, and the number two sits in the shame space. So take on the good parts of a two, I have to deal with shame. And it's been something, I guess, um, a, a big part of my life, uh, growing up as a migrant to this country, um, having to deal with the cultural differences, uh, the physical differences, um, and you know, just the basic acceptance that a person goes through to, to be able to be competent in being themselves. And that's a daily thing these days for me, right? 
and I think for, for a few few of us here, we, we work on ourselves daily. I guess, I mean, without me going to too much of my story right now, I mean, how did this story resonate with you and, and where did you go to when you were listening to this and how has she, how she's framed uh, shame, has it showed up in your lives and how have you dealt with it? Is it fair or is it too personal? No, I can start. Um, I don't want to dig too much deeper into it because we covered it a couple of weeks ago, but you guys all know that oh, maybe five, six weeks ago before the season football season started, I kind of almost quit the sport. Um, and having put a post up publicly in the, in the group, in the team's page, highlighting some of the reasons why I wanted to quit and then having changed my mind and continued with the team, there's still a little bit of... It's less and less now as I get to know the team better, but there was very much for the first few training sessions, especially for the first couple of games, a feeling of, I guess, and it was very probably me and not really anyone else, but a feeling of shame that I was the one that almost quit. I was the one that couldn't couldn't hack it, who wasn't tough enough, wasn't strong enough, was kind of gave in to the fear and, um, and was almost willing to kind of throw in the towel. Um, I'm sitting with it a lot better now, and as I get more and more confident and more and more comfortable in my role and how I fit into the team, a lot of that's starting to dissipate. But I know initially there was a big feeling of, I guess, shame around that. She, she talks about shame, guys, um, and she uses the phrase, shame is when we use the word I am versus guilt versus the word, using the, the phrase I made. Um, Justin, I think you, you, you were just nodding at me just then. I mean, does, how does that resonate with you? Well, I don't know if we've um, – have we done Benet Brown yet? She's phenomenal. Yeah, like, yeah, I love her. Um, I'm still chasing a coffee with her in New York every time I, I go there. I listened to her, her audio book, The Power of Vulnerability, and I recommend it um, highly, and I think it's it's amazing. She talks about, um, obviously, shame and guilt, and um, I, I think – you know what? What was interesting is that um, she talked about how much of an epidemic shame is, and um, in in society. And I've actually had a couple of conversations this week about shame, and or not maybe shame itself, but I guess vulnerability yep. um, and being well, vulnerable. Well, if you're talking vulnerable, you are talking shame, right? Yeah, that's what she's trying to get the point of. That that's that's where her biggest work was done before she went to vulnerability. Mm. And so, you know, and. Um, you know how she said that we both men and women experience shame, but it's organised by by gender. gender yeah. And and for males in particular, it's um, the most amount of shame comes from um, not being able to be be perceived as weak. weak yeah. Um. You know. So being vulnerable and um. Yeah. Always having to um, to be strong. And I think um, what's interesting is. You know, when you're, say, running a business or a leadership or being looked up to, you're always fighting this um, this battle. Um, and then she talked about this interesting thing where, um, you know, you're coming back to the arena. A lot of, 99% of the time, we either feel like, you know, I mean, we're our worst critics and our self-talk is the worst. So a lot of the shame comes from ourselves as well. Yep. Um, and we're either not good enough or we feel like we're an imposter. Who are we? Who are we to do this? Or who are we to do that? And I've definitely felt those, um, I guess, feelings over the last uh, couple of weeks in particular and the last few months. And we've talked about imposter syndrome. Um, and I definitely stepped between those two 
states or I would say states, but um, uh, thought process uh, quite often. Um, it's either, you know, I'm not, not good enough or I haven't set myself that I've set myself a standard and I'm not achieving it and then I'm hard on myself. Or if I'm doing something good, who am I? Why should I be doing this? I don't deserve this or um, those type of things. So, but I've definitely learned to become more vulnerable uh, in the last couple of years. But yeah, I think shame and guilt is interesting. And I think it's trying to know the difference between the two. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting to, 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 to play with that. Um, Renee, not Renee, Renee, the person who put the, the, the topic to us, goes on to state that she's intrigued by the pressure on men to be both vulnerable, sensitive, understanding, and then show their strength, courage, and support to keep the household together. I mean, household, business, community, right? I mean, because that seems to be where men have been. And it's been a very big push um, in the world and not, not, um, not unwelcomingly in relation to the, the championing champion of women in society. But... You know, could it be said that we've done it to the detriment of males? Matt, Michael? Yeah, I mean, to answer that, yes, in a way. I feel like we, I feel like it's quite okay for a woman to behave as a woman and behave as a man would in in many ways. And as a man, we are still there's still much of an expectation for us to to operate on that space where we can, you know, whether it's fearless or this or that or whatever, whatever our expectation is that we won't necessarily um, show too much emotion in the frame. We won't, um, you know, I think that's the the items mentioned were um, to conform. Men need to show emotional control, primacy of work, pursuit of status, and violence, and that's. That's typically how we would see men. That's how we're framed, right? That's how we're framed. And then, but then there's this like a push for us to be and show more feminine sides and other aspects and be more vulnerable. But then I don't know that it's necessarily tolerated or I welcomed, mean, yeah, or welcomed. And so, if, even just if we circle back to how this podcast started, and you essentially almost tried to shame me for using an and quote unquote image consultant for a session, what you were trying to achieve there is to show that, hang on, you that, that in your view, without explanation, fell outside the box of those four things. No, I just want to see your reaction. No, no, but that's what, <laughs> that's what you did. So I mean, that's what I'm just putting it, because that's, that's standard. That's whether you call, call that locker room talk or whatever you want to say. It, hang on, that seems like it might have fallen away from or be, be slightly outside that scope. We better, we better find out about it. So then it, the point is, I think what the challenge is, is when you get called on something, if you're, if you're going to break outside of a stereotype in business, in life, and whatever it is, when you get called on it, are you going to be vulnerable and take control of that decision you've made and, and use that and step forward, or will you allow that to weaken you? Yep. And I think that's where most of the question mark lies here because roll back to Eminem style and he got out there and unleashed every possible piece of information about him so no, he couldn't be attacked in his rap battle. If you do that, and you give out all the ammunition and you're not worried about receiving it back, you're fine. And that's where it comes down to your sort of how you take, that's not criticism, but how you take comments about your masculinity or whatever. Do you, are you, do you let it offend you or do you 
just let it wash off and, and get on with it. Like stop being a, a sort of, I don't know, just just move on with it. Like don't take. Say, you sound like you're going to say little bitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you were. <laughs> I was going to say like a tropical flower or something. <laughs> but you know, I want to. I want to hear little bitch in, a, in, in the accent. You little bitch. <laughs> you little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Talking straight to you, Conrad. Um, but I think you know. There's a there's biology in this. You of know, course, there is. There's, deep, there's deep, inherent deep, deep biology. biology. You're exactly right. Which which we can't go past, and I think that's the that's the part that's grating against it. I think is. But, the, but doesn't that show up? Well, fuck. It shows up in my life all the fucking time. I was going to say, where does it show up? It is shows it? up in my life yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's it's a constant battle. I, I'm going to ask you guys: When's the last time you cried? Usually, really, really like, cried about something that was meaningful to you. Or, really, you, you do it in commercials. Hey, I'm, I'm a dad. You're a dad now. It's a funny what how you mean, now I've been a dad for 18 years, man. Yeah, so you've been a dad for most of your <laughs> but life. But not tearing up because like you're talking real. Yeah, hard real out, cry. I, I did it within this year. Yeah, yeah. You, you want to share what got you there? Um, I I don't even know what overcome me. Um, and I don't recall crying like that. For, for a long, long time. So what I'm, I'm 20, I'm 28. So this would have happened four or five, no, maybe earlier this year. And um, it was around a uh, situation um, with, with my wife. Yep. Um, there's always a battle, I think, when, um, I guess, which is those funny, those conformities a little bit of, uh, you know, I guess what you learn from your father, and we've talked about a few of these things in the podcast before of like, you know, you want to be the breadwinner, you want to do good. And then obviously I've got ambition as well um, drilled into me. So I'm always kind of striving to achieve and, and I enjoy my work. So one of the big challenges always is, um, you know, for me, I'm maybe working too much um, and I don't see it as being an issue. But, you know, when we come back to the love languages, my um, wife is quality time, QT yep. time. So. What happened was, um, I guess in short, I um, I let her down. Yep. And I guess I felt, um, I guess it would have just come straight from shame. Yep. And just let it all out. And it was probably more the space of, it started with, I made a mistake. That's where it started. And then for whatever reason, it just overcome. And like, I was literally on a, um, you know, sitting you know, kind of curled up in a, in, literally in a ball against the wall. Just, I, I don't know what it was. And then um, my wife, who was angry at me to start with at the, at the beginning, um, was just like, I don't know, taken back. And um, we sat there and kind of worked through it. And I just really felt like I, um, I guess it was shame that of, um, of because of the relationship that I was having wasn't what I, I guess, wanted. Wanted. Yeah. So this didn't happen when you were by yourself, sort of thinking. No, no, about no. This no. Happened it, with, with, yeah, with your wife. It yeah, was yeah. <laughs> so, um, and obviously, I felt better after that. Um, and I've been close to probably not full blown crying, but getting close to a couple times. And I think the pressure of um, building a business, and I'm very grateful that I can have my wife and share that um, with her. Um, and I guess I don't feel. Um, judged from her to to let that out as I've been probably been extremely uh, beneficial for me and I think a lot of men um, would not do that at all and or would uh, bottle it up or uh, 
you know, I guess it's why men's suicide rates are so high and things yeah, like just that. Just on that, I was going to say, so, so male suicide rates are below the age of 35, 65% of, of, of suicides are yeah. men. And a lot of the conversations is, is that I have it all, we even, we have, it's just, it's, again, it's that locker room culture as well where um, I guess so many people are insecure with who they are. They have the need to just go, oh, yeah, bro, well, they know you do that chicken fucking, yeah, mate, and, like, it's all just all all this and anything that's too much of a, you're a pussy or a little bitch. Um, or a is, tropical flower. Or a tropical flower. Um, <laughs> it's not tolerated. And so... The guys who want to open up don't because then they feel like they're going to be condemned. But the the the, the irony or the hypocrisy is probably all say there's a group of guys. They're probably all feeling the same things. But I think that's they just don't want to talk about it because of that. You know, kind of again. Um, and I think you can use that both to to release because you're saying there's that pressure that builds up. But that, that's emotional intelligence, isn't it? Michael? So you can use that manly sort of boyish yep. locker room stuff to release that, but control it. Yeah, I mean, I guess because the next question I was going to pose is. This is almost counterintuitive to stoicism. Yes. As in shame itself? Or? Shame itself is, is almost... I don't know. I see. Because an interesting thing with shame is shame can actually be used as a, as a tool. It is used as a tool. Without shame, you're out of control, yeah? Without shame, you don't stop. Are you? I, I, uh, yeah, of course. If, you're, if you do an action that is stupid, it's actually stupid and immature and dangerous... You don't feel some shame after that. You do it again, and it gets worse. You do well, it again. Well, and it gets she does worse. talk about she does talk about um, people that don't have shame, and she says you can't. You have to have no, shame. no, no. She yeah. says to to experience <laughs> zero shame, you have zero empathy, and I know zero yeah. empathetic people. That's what I mean. So you know, kind of deep. Well, you know, little things during the day, you, little bits of shame, that warm feeling. She talks about. Yeah, come okay, up, but don't, so. don't 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 confuse guilt with shame. No, no shame. I'm talking about about an action that you've taken. Um, I think it is a useful, not a tool that you use. I'm so, gonna, so I'll challenge you on that. I may be guilt. Yeah. I am is shame. Because sometimes yeah, yeah. you've got to be, and you've got to know, I think that's the, the key as well as those situations is knowing when it is shame yeah. or guilt. Because guilt is different. She actually mentions that guilt is the positive. Um, it, it's the inverse correlation of shame. So shame, she talks about, leads to um, addiction, um, abuse, um, like yeah, if it goes beyond all these other things, if it goes and guilt is the inverse of that. So she actually talks about having guilt and measuring it against who you want to be is one of the most powerful tools um, that, yeah, you, can, that you can do, which is acknowledging your mistakes and going, how can I learn from these and how can I adapt? It's uncomfortable as hell because yep. you've got to face who you are in the mirror, which comes back, I guess, to that self-love acceptance yeah. piece. But if you can get into that space, that's where it's um, it's guilt. Shame yeah, is like well, I'm shame never. Stops you getting shame there. is I'm never good enough. I'm never this. Um, I'm that can still be released through know, an action or something like that. It's still internal shame. Like you're well, you're, sh you're saying guilt is about shame um, is all internal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, yeah. whereas guilt is largely action based. Yep. Okay. There's an interesting point. Um, she says that empathy is the antidote to shame. And I think especially with yeah. a lot of this locker room talk, men in business, there's always that feeling of kind of having to put on that bravado and that oh, everything's right. And when people ask, how's business? You go, it's great. However, if, that, if you're willing to be the first person to say, no, I'm actually struggling a little bit. There's a bill that's due that's stressing me out or I'm a little bit worried about this game tonight because I'm underprepared or... It's just that 
feeling of empathy is what starts to just dissolve and break down that shame. Um, and that's a really big piece that I found is that as soon as I started to talk to more people in business like Justin, like you guys that are having the exact same experiences, the more I talk to people and my teammates about the the fear of not being aggressive and the fear of going into danger, they go, yeah, me too. And that's the exact language she says. Me too are the most powerful words for dissolving and breaking down that barrier and starting to kind of eliminate that shame. Because as soon as I spoke to what I perceive to be a big, aggressive, strong man that's on the, the front line of our team. And he says, oh, the reason I play offense is because I'm not particularly aggressive. I can take tackles and I can protect our quarterback, but I'm not an aggressive person that goes out dishing out violence. I'm like, okay, now I can empathize and relate to him. And the more and more and more people, I see, there's, there's obviously a couple of people that just love being aggressive and that's always, and it's a great part of their nature. But most people I've spoken to most business people I've spoken to are saying that they, they don't necessarily have that, that they're struggling, that it's harder than they thought it would be. Once you have those conversations, it makes well, a the, difference. What, she talk, what was funny, um, in her book, um, she actually talks about, uh, uh, you know, we wear the... This is the we, power of vulnerability, not power, greatly. Yes, new one yeah, um, the power of vulnerability, where we all put on this suit of armour, you know, before we go out for the day, before we leave home. So we put this armour on and... We go out and we fight, and um, and then the armor becomes so hard to take off in the evenings. You just leave it on, and it becomes it just wears you down, wears you down, wears you down. And um, like letting off the the armor and being vulnerability uh, vulnerable um, is is the power of kind of moving forward. But also like the point of that as well. She, you know, we all strive for perfection. You know, I'll wait until I've got my armor looking glistening or ready to go before I enter the world, which comes back, loops all the way back to the start where she says about that quote of it's, you know, the admiration should be the people in, is the, the person in the arena. Um, and she talked, referenced it back to the Ted talks himself. Yeah. She goes, everyone expects you to rock up to be, she said, Ted's the biggest, um, Failure conference. Well, failure conference, yeah. It yeah. Is, isn't it? Because, because people learned. Yeah, but people expect to go to um, the conference, listen to a speaker who's perfect, yet every speaker has failed <laughs> um, and goes up there um, being vulnerable. Um, and that's and what she said is that that's actually what we want. Bless you, Matt, Joe. You know, we, we prepare ourselves to be perfect. We wait for that <laughs> thing. Bless. <laughs> Someone, someone's allergic to the topic. Yeah. <laughs> Oi. Um and we wait and we wait and we wait, but it's never going to be perfect. You know, it's getting into the arena and, and playing and, and giving it a go. She talks about courage being used um, probably incorrectly because obviously um, weakness is where is what attaches to shame and, and, to, and, to, and to combat shame, you need to be courageous and then cor with courage you, you overcome your vulnerability. So... Have we used the word courage incorrectly for too long? What do you What do you mean? Well, we we talk about courage when it describes bravery. Yes. Okay, but yet, um, but I think it takes so courage. Isn't it brave, but isn't it, it brave to cry if you're a man instead yes. of being weak? Yeah. So I would agree that uh, courage it takes courage to be vulnerable. Yeah. And that's actually where we talked about it in a book that I recently listened to on my travels was the book of the courage, um, the courage to be happy. Um, it ta actually takes courage to be courage happy. Courage to be disliked. Yeah. Or sorry, courage to be disliked. 
But it also goes on to make the same statement that um, it takes courage to be happy because being vulnerable, uh, Brene actually talks about wholehearted living. You've actually got to be vulnerable to, to be wholehearted. And so it's kind of like this um, catch-22 that if you put on this facade of not being weak and trying to be strong and live up to these expectations, you'll never be happy. It's a real balancing act. Oh, it's massive. I mean, because you'll it, never be happy. And let, let me. And, and so let's just understand where we are right now as individuals. Right? Um, are we are we strong enough? Are we in that space where we are? Um, and she talks about you got to dance with the one that brung you. Right? I love that quote. I mean, that's a, in her Texas Texas yeah, accent. Yeah. You got to dance with the one that brung you. And I mean, I've been talking a large part of this week, but a large part of all the things I talk about is, is about accept, acceptance of self. All right. No, can 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 we all here put our hands on our heart and say we are we've truly accepted ourselves? I wouldn't say truly. I'm much better at it. I always hid a lot of emotion. I mean, yeah. as a kid growing up, our family weren't big talkers about emotion. We didn't yeah. really chat about deeper topics, um, and that sort of come out with my kids a little bit. I'm a lot deeper than I was with my mum and dad. Do you reckon um, you've gone the other extent of deep with your kids, or you reckon may, maybe? They just shame me. <laughs> Why are you meditating, Dad? God, dear me. Um, but yeah, I think it's. Um, I think I am much better at it now, which is helping me be more vulnerable with my kids yep. and whatever. But definitely, growing up, I didn't have. I mean, my dad was a dad, and he's great dad, loving dad. Did lots of things together, played sport together, but we didn't have what I would say like manly chats. Or he wasn't mucking about. He, He's not very good at anything, sort of me- <laughs> anything mechanical. Um, and I'm talking about tying shoelaces as well. An absolutely amazing man. But um, there was a lack there. Although my, it's interesting because my stepdad, my mum got married in 86 or so to Don, who was like the real, he was a, like worked for Shell, was like this manly man, hairy chest, lotuses. and So it was a real interest. And I lived with him for the last sort of, uh, what do you mean lotuses? What is that? Oh, uh, sorry, cars oh, and stuff okay. like that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like thinking many men with lotuses being the flower. Tropical <laughs> flowers, yeah. Kind of like so, Conrad in the late 80s. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, he was a real like manly man. Travelled the world from Africa, like grew up in Africa and stuff like that. So it was a real interesting sort of um, polarisation between my, my dad, that I've, he left when I was like eight or nine, um, and then Don who came in. So I sort of got a little bit of that last bit from Don, I suppose. So, yeah, I, I definitely need to work on opening up a little bit more, I think. But I'm, I'm better at it. Yeah, I'm cool. better at it. Matt, since you went out sneezing, yeah, allergic to the topic. Apologies uh, for my allergy to the topic. Or possibly the ginger, the, the genuine Jamaican. Pretty good. I, I'm actually liking this. It's I'm, I'm really it could be the pepper it. in it. It's like this peppery sort yeah, of it possibly taste. is. But, uh, look, no, I, I don't think... I don't think I could comfortably say that, look, I, I 100% accept myself. I think I've done a lot of work on that. Um, su- surprisingly or otherwise, putting yourself a little bit more um, in the public eye, even on social media, podcasting. Well, you've done things. a lot, lot lately. I've done a lot lately, and that is um, and, and be, be, a big part of it. Be brutal with this, right? I'm asking you to be really, really no, open, it's, right? That's really, it's really quite confronting, and I think we... Have you, have you, has, has any of the comments or interactions challenged you to the point where uh, it, it moved or even stirred your emotions? Absolutely. All the time. I mean... Oh, sorry, I don't mean to do them all the time, but did any of my comments annoy you? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you've 
commented negatively very much at all, from what I can remember. <laughs> very much. Um, I've got a few aliases, bro. Yeah, I know. Well, I, we've given you many of them. But uh, <laughs> you have to set up accounts and, you know, you're a bit lazy for that. So I, I think that's a really good challenge. And if people want to try a challenge, I mean, putting some content out. I mean, you talk about standing in front of the mirror and looking at yourself. And I think when you when you're throwing yourself out there on social profiles and whether it's in an audible format like this or a video format, it's quite confronting because you have this balance between, I guess, the one or two or three stereotypes of who we sort of believe we fit into and then us. And somewhere on that spectrum is is the reality. And I think if you're not sort of cementing or profiling or setting in stone any real data, then you've got nothing to compare. Like if you don't go and watch a video of yourself, you're only presenting in your brain what you believe is the case, not not necessarily the truth. So you're only fooling yourself. You're not fooling everyone else. You're only fooling yourself. So going and putting a lot more content online is very confronting. And it's something that uh, it's one of the reasons why ever it's so easy to go and go on social and post things and it's one thing to put it out there in front of a few friends and it's another thing to start to get it to push more publicly and uh, i've had all sorts of comments back um whether it's personal judgments on how i look or just that you're a fool or um you know sometimes they have put some thought into it sometimes they're just straight up trolls who are just whatever something hit hit their page and they're commenting on it but um it's a real challenge and i think that that last, let's call it 12 to 24 months of me doing a lot more content has been a, um, a quite powerful, I guess, tool and process for me having far more self-acceptance. How did your um, self-acceptance go through one of the biggest, um, I guess, probably exercises that you've done this year with your event um, a couple of weeks ago? Are you happy to entertain yeah. Some of those thoughts. Yeah. So look, we, we ran an event with a series of speakers and I was one of them and many of the speakers were, I guess I would quote unquote call them professional and I do have spoken a little bit, but I wouldn't consider myself at that standpoint yet. It was, it was a big thing. There was a lot of my um, uh, self attached to that. I was in front of a few hundred people, a couple of hundred people, and I, I hadn't even necessarily prepared. Uh, but I had to accept that, and I had to accept that I was going to put forward the best, you know, the best performance I guess that I could at the time, and uh, and that's what I did. And if I tie that back to a lot of my early years, and from fifteen I was playing in bands, and I was regularly after a period of time, and certainly in my early twenties, in front of a couple of thousand people at a time or more, and and that's very different in a sense when you're hiding behind a guitar. Or, so, or otherwise, when you're hiding behind a, a collective group of musicians making, you know, some some art, I guess in that in that way, compared to just you standing on stage all by yourself, presenting your information how you want to present it, and um, yes, I, that, so all those things. So speaking live, podcasting, videos, blogs, posting, even just writing detailed posts and commentary, I found it quite liberating in terms of working towards a, a much higher level of self-acceptance. But like Mike said, I, I, don't, I don't know that you can ever say, yes, I fully, completely accept myself and, and it never changed. Like I've got to that level, that's it. So she, I mean, Brene goes on to say, um, you show me a woman who can sit with a man in real vulnerability and fear and I'll show you a woman who has done incredible work 
she also goes on to say that you show me a man who can sit with a woman who has just had it and can't do any more, and his first response is not, I unloaded the dishwasher, but he really listens. I will show you a man who's done a lot of work. Um, where do you guys put yourselves in that space? That part of the talk that she gave is interesting because she's really she's really defined the traditional female male role. Well, this is what she's saying because she, she's very she's very obvious with what she says. Shame is organised by gender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's just sort of defined it as the housewife and the the male worker as the. I don't know whether she's done that. I don't know whether she's done that. I mean, I think she's been she's used a situational. Yeah, scenario. But she sort of talks about the male being um, fear based, um, yep. or sorry, weakness based yep. shame, and the woman being more just having not to look flustered. In, yeah, yep. not to look as if she's out yep. of control. Um, yep. Which I think we all have all of them. I think in in parts, but I don't think we're just purely defined by that. I think shame. We have shame exactly like that as well, like incompetence or I don't know. I mean, I uh, I think Benay's. Renee's got it on on the head because a lot of the females um, in and around my life, there's always a common thread around the shame piece and the vulnerability piece, which is around um, perfection, competence. Um, so it's almost like it is an element of weakness, depending on how I guess yeah, defined yeah, exactly how you uh, define whether you want to get really like cutting hairs on on that because there's an element of weak, but that's just vulnerability, right? But exactly, but yeah. for men, it's it is about the the margin. Like there is a clear the females. It's that's not so much about. Um, you know, like it's those other elements, and it's always an underlying thread. They're never good enough. Um, that's what they feel like. They don't. They're, they're never happy with their image. Um, they don't do enough, and all of these things. It's always the common um, kind of underlying things. Or that, from my experience, um, well, here's the real question, right? If you guys failed, and we've played with this topic a bit at Seven A and Brecky Club, right? About the next twelve months, okay. If you failed, where does that put you? In your household, within yourself, where would that put you? For me especially, being the the sole financial provider for the family, I'm in a very traditional position at the moment where I am the sole breadwinner. Ainsley's a stay-at-home mom and will be for the foreseeable future. So there's a big feeling of, I guess, pressure to continue providing that, to continue growing, to provide her with a lifestyle and... And not in a. But Jacob, you've 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 written us an, a, an amazing piece, right? Which I, I can't thank you enough for. Reading the, the negatives, how does that make you feel? It invokes a lot of. Um, if I read all the negatives, especially the ones about failure and the fear of not living up to expectations, if I try and really internalize that. I guess there's a there's a feeling of shame around that where if if the business failed, if I didn't live up to those internal expectations, if I um, wasn't able to provide for my family, that there'd be a massive feeling of Have shame. Have you shared that with Ainsley? That piece? No. Are you prepared to? Yeah. Because I think shame has an underlying power that we don't admit to. Right? And I was moved by your piece significantly, both ends. All right, um, so it's powerful, man. All right, and to overcome shame, you've got like anything, you've really got to fucking play with it, right? Instead of dancing around it. I think Brene touched on that, right? You got to head straight into it. Yeah, you got to acknowledge it, and you've got to work, um, yeah, straight through it. And um, which 
Yeah, 100%. Because fear is not fucking real, right? Neither is shame is only as much, is only much as reality attached to shame as you want to give it. And I, and, I, and I felt the shame in that. I feel much the same way with a lot of things, mate. You know, I mean, since my dad passed away, I feel very responsible for my mum. And I don't generally give myself a lot of space to fail. You know, because, and that's, and, and you know, the byproduct of that is, uh, is me playing on a very, very tight rope of, you know, what I have to do. So I, I, I really align with what you wrote, and I get it, and I understand it, and I'll hold you accountable to it because I don't want you to fail. Yeah. But you need to share that with Ainsley. Yeah, I do. Uh, it comes back to a, th- a common thread we've had in the several of the last podcasts. It's just communication is not... Men feel like we need to internalize and maintain and hold our fears and like be strong and not share that with the world. But when you don't communicate with your partner, when you don't communicate with your kids, when you don't communicate with your employees, your friends, your your community, that's when these well, things that's that build, build up of pressure that Justin talked about. Yeah, yeah. and, and that's going to that's that's come out. Some, fucking fail. It's going to come out somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Adam, Adam, let, let's yeah. go. Let's go here with you, right? Because we know when you cried last. When? When you were in my office. Oh God, no! I probably cried since then. No. I don't know. <laughs> well, no, I, know, no, I, I know when I'm I saw gonna, you cry. I'm going to go somewhere else. All right. I'm going to go to my to my mid twenties and where I just worked. I guess had just pause. Worked. Pause. Can we start the matzos? Of course, we're going to move to a second drink. Um, we're going to have a matzo ginger beer. Let, let, let me pause this impressively amazing content to refresh ourselves with a, a new beverage of ginger beer. We're going to matzo's. It's a broom based beer. Why am I hosting this at the moment? Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, so in my mid twenties, and this is so, I just wanted to touch on that communication thing. The other side of the other side of that communication, they also need to be ready for it. Uh, I don't know that anyone can be ready, bro. No, no, they're not. But what I'm saying is, okay, Mm. don't expect them to be. Interesting. You need to, if you need to communicate something, you don't need to communicate it. But in my mid-20s, I I think I'd probably got myself overworked. Uh, I went through, effectively, I I got ill. I had a flu for about six or eight weeks. I was a young, fit, healthy guy. I had a good career. And all of a sudden- Nice style. Uh, No, no, I didn't have any style yet. (laughs) Didn't have this any style before. yet. Oh, sorry, still, sorry. This is way still, into the style. I was still watching um, like 90s basketball films with Conrad in them wearing <laughs> short shorts. Somewhere between Conrad and David Hasselhoff in the 90s was probably wow. probably who I was modelling. Josh is going to have fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. That was the idea. I can see a gif right there. Um, <laughs> but, no, look, well, anyway, so what? the point being, I actually got myself into a space of chronic fatigue. I had a lot of men, mental fatigue. Um, I, I developed significant anxiety and I'd never, never really experienced any anxiety or anything in my life. I got into uh, what I would consider a fairly light version of depression. Like I wasn't in, I was never in a space where I felt like I could take my own life or anything like that, which I'm very fortunate because I know a lot of people get to a point where they, they feel that. But I, I was effectively a shadow zombie floating around for nearly two years. And I, I had to start trying to find a way to communicate and find other people that had been through things similar. And I, I really struggled. The majority of people, their immediate blowback, whether they were tight family or just friends or otherwise, is that, no, 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 like just, just get on with it. They, they find it very difficult to accept that deeper level of communication that you're trying to come 
come with. And I just wanted to raise that point as well because I think the communication is super important. And if you want to communicate that out, definitely do it. But don't expect your level of awareness and the amount of work that you've done easily caught by the person you're trying to communicate that with. Yeah, I, I'm not talking about expectation here. I'm just talking about straight communication. Yeah, and you've got to be ready for whatever comes from that open communication as well. That's so sure. you've got to be ready for That's that. That's vulnerability, right? Yeah. yeah, but I think you know Matt does raise a super valid point, and it depends on your environment and proximity because Brene actually acknowledges that. When she talks about doing the work, that's what she's talking mm. about. So, like, you know, I guess that's why we have things like Lifeline um, and things like that as well because some people don't know. They probably are trying to communicate it in the best way they know how at that point in time because, remember, you, you know, even think about all of us 24 months ago, we'd be in a very different space, both awareness and, and the way we would communicate outwards than where we are today. Um, and so most people, uh, I can correlate to that. I think that's super important to, to add, um, or from my point of view anyway, because even if your wife, you know, let's say you were, you know, high school sweethearts and you've grown a lot and you've done all this and all that and you start opening up and sharing, but she was, for whatever reason, like that macho thing and then there's this conflict, then it's not going to help anyway. So, you know, you, sometimes I think it can be in a, a, a tricky um it, you both have to do the work, really. You, you do, but I don't think you can be responsible for anybody no, else other than yourself. No, I never said that. So you, I agree with that too. You can't – I think that's what Matt's trying to say. You just can't expect someone else to receive it and or have the empathy but as this bloke, to, to, as, to relate as, back to you. As this guy that she was talking to or came and approached her, you know, saying that, you know, my wife and girls have got that book, but they won't let me. You know, I'm not allowed to fail in their space. You know, I mean, that's real, right? I've had, I've had a few failed businesses. I've, I've had a few failed relationships. You know, I've, I've failed enough fucking times in my life to know what it feels like to be at the bottom. Uh, and Matt, so have you, right? So I, I get, I get, I get your story, right? Um, which is why I know you'll be, you, you would struggle with shame, right? Definitely. And and like similarly to me, we're, so from an enneagram perspective, you head to a three or a four. I'm six. So what is it? So so that go, that comes from so that comes from shame. Mm. Yeah, which is which makes sense. So as I don't prove, I can let go of a lot yeah. of shame, and that's I definitely feel that. And if I was to gauge myself at the moment, I'm in a good space where I'm heading out of that. But if I'm if I sort of retract back to to the core of where I can be at times, it definitely there's a, there can be a lot of shame there. And, and just for everybody else, we've referenced the enneagram here. The enneagram is an ancient uh, profiling tool. Um, which was put together by the ancient Sufis over about 2,000 years ago. And if you really want to have a look at it, um, I, I would strongly encourage you going to the Enneagraminstitute.com and having a look at the information on there. Um, but it's real, It's probably been one of my biggest growth tools in understanding anger, shame, and, and where I love hiding was where I like to think a lot. And so there's, a three, there's the three areas of baseline emotions and spaces where you spend your time. Guys, I guess I don't even know how long we've gone for. Ten minutes, <laughs> really? No, a few no. minutes. You know, it's it is it is a big topic. It is a, is it a big topic, and it's a constant battle for me. Uh, so when Renee brought this up, and I listened to it, and I, I sat with it, you know, I, I had to digest a bit, uh, and I didn't want to make this all about me. But I, I mean, this is a big topic for me, um, and I think it is for most men if they're prepared to admit to it. Well, this, I mean, well, coming down to the Simple Minds podcast, that's helped, I think, a lot in us being able to open up. Um, on a public platform, I think you were talking about that before. 
I think it's it's enabled us to be vulnerable, but has yep. it enabled us to deal with our shame? And I'm not I'm not sure you can deal with that publicly. Yeah, specific like deeper things in your life. That yeah, you're, you're I think shame is a very personal for. thing, and it's a very personal journey. Uh, it can be publicly acknowledged, but I don't know whether it can be publicly dealt with. What do you think about shame being a not not a tool, but an actual an emotion that helps you through something because you feel something about something, can it, can it then, can everything, you, can, everything can be, can a you learn point. from it? Well, I suppose. Everything can be a reference point. And I think if, if understanding where shame fits in the personal growth, you know, position and that being one of the anchoring thoughts as to where Renee comes from. Yeah, of course it can be a reference. Are point. you, are you asking more can shame serve you? Yeah. Because yeah. we talked about whether ego can serve you. Can shame serve you? It, it all serves you. And we've discussed ego. Everything we, we know can it, serve you, yeah. but you've got to actually know. Control you know, it. A gun could serve you, right? But it doesn't serve you if you use it the wrong way. I think shame can serve you as a, as a brake pedal, as it'll stop you spiralling too far out of control in that, like she says that shame is very strongly correlated with violence, aggression, addiction, depression, bullying, suicide. Yeah, I think I've done all of those apart from suicide. <laughs> There's a lot of those things. And I think, but it can also, like you were saying before as an example, like if you're having a big night and you're drinking a few beers and your partner perceives you to be kind of not holding your liquor very well, then if you've got a feeling of shame, it might stop you from doing it again. It might stop that spiraling too far out of control. That shame isn't necessarily a good thing. It's something you definitely need to work through, but it, it can, from a positive perspective, can stop you from, I guess, letting it go too far. I think, because, I mean, if you had no shame, yeah, you're out of control. There's nothing to stop you feeling any emotion or... But I think as well, like, um, you know, the Brene talks about the antidote to shame is empathy. But no one can empathize with you if you don't share, which comes back to vulnerability. So it also starts with just being vulnerable to start with, finding the right space to be vulnerable and don't bottle it up. And then going down the fucking wormhole. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because the moment you share, say, how you're feeling and someone goes, me too, the shame almost disappears because, you know, you're kind of then, you don't, because again, Renee defines sh shame as I'm sorry, I'm a mistake, or I'm sorry, that's a mistake. So you flip it to guilt. The moment you can share that experience with someone, you just both feel guilty about that situation instead of shameful of that situation. Yeah, because I think guilt, guilt mm. can drive action. I, yeah. I just feel like shame is, I, I can, even if I went back to some of my failures, like you talk about, Conrad, I think. The, the guilt can drive the shame. The, there is the shame has no business <laughs> and has no. I I can't see how you can how you can use that as fuel. I, but I, didn't I, I you think just say that shame leads to guilt? That shame is part of no, that no, guilt no. process. I, I'm only trying to. I'm making complete assumptions here of my interpretations. But in terms of that, if Brene is saying empathy is the antidote to shame, you can't. No one can empathize with you if you don't share how you're feeling, which is yeah. then being vulnerable. But then the moment you are vulnerable and someone's empathizing, because typically empathizing is me too. Oh, you've been through that. I don't feel like that's – I don't now feel ashamed of that thing because you've felt it. Now it's more – you can start to then flip it into guilt. Oh, we both made that mistake. Remember, that mistake is guilt. I am a mistake is shame. I don't think that's guilt. I don't no, that's, what, that, that's how, that's how Brene yeah, frames it. That's, that's how it's framed. That's, that's how it's framed. Yeah. 
So there was that situation that we feel guilty about because, oh, we should have done that or did this or oh, that was that. And then you can start working through it. And guilt, which is why I believe, I mean, she's researched this, what, now 12 years? Yeah. And that was in 2000. Well, she spent six years on shame alone. That was 2012, this TED Talk is. So now it's, you know, 18. So that's 18 years on on um, researching and, this topic. And this is the and re- it's correlated outwards. So I think guilt is definitely powerful. I feel guilty a lot of times. <laughs> I think we Descri- all feel guilty. Describe guilt. feeling yeah. guilty then to me. Guilty is, um, well, you, you guilty is like. Uh, lack of. No, like, not yeah, maybe lack sometimes, yeah. or um, say as a, I think guilty is uh, as a leader, you've got to call people out on their stuff um, as well, and then how they react, you you feel guilty about that. You know, it's guilt, the right guilt tends thing. to be an action, where shame is yeah. a feeling. Like oh, I made that mistake, or, or that was a mistake. I feel guilty because of the concept, but you know what? I I can learn from it, um, and guilt is kind of I guess that hey, guilt is interesting because. Guilt is action based. Fifty one forty nine yeah. is actually making other people feel guilty as well. So out of guilt, they take action um, because they feel um, you've given a lot of value. So they feel guilty. That's the only reason they take action. Um, so I don't know. I'm kind of leaning towards where Matt's going. I, I don't know whether shame can ever serve you unless you walk walk through it and can acknowledge it. It I, never I, I, serves yes, you. I, I think at the highest level it can. I think you know at the very low levels it's going to be the biggest anchor to you or the biggest lead in your fucking pockets that you'll ever see. Bigger you, than ego. Bigger than ego. Um, you you have once you become once you can acknowledge something with you once you can accept what's playing out then you've got the chance to use it, all right, and and use it as a reference point. More importantly, um, it's not again if you if the it only ex- way it I, exists, right? We can't the, ignore it. The only way I can see it being serving you is you getting so ashamed that you then have to be vulnerable. Yeah. Which I then think that's start, what Brown talks about. Because she doesn't talk about it. She doesn't talk that you never feel shame. Like she, no, shame no. is in everyone. Yeah. Exactly. So you see, can, shame, shame is one of the – and this is the thing, guys. But I if mean, you hang on to it for too long – But it's still serving you, though. One still, of the, the emotion the, is the there. Not serving you. The original sin, the original sin as depicted in the Bible is based on shame. Doing that – it's not serving you if you're sitting in shame, being violent, aggressive, yeah, addicted, but you're not talking about bullying. you're talking about that extreme part of it. So shame has been sitting has, in shame does that to you. That's what Brene yeah. says. Yeah. But you think still about, have shame. Shame still yeah. on a smaller level that gets you and, you, and you take action on it. Okay, you feel the guilt, then you move forward. But the reality is, guys, shame, shame is still shame there. will never disappear. I know, yeah, I don't agree. Shame never. That's what I'm saying. If you think about it through the lens, I'm of saying the, sitting in shame. Won't serve you. Yes, yeah, that's of course. what I'm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. An example I was using before of someone who, if you have a few drinks and you get a little bit over the top and you have some embarrassing incidents. Did this happen recently to you? This is the no. second time. <laughs> when you when you get his touchdown. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can feel guilty about that and the impact it had on your friends, family, and surroundings, and take action to not do it again. Or you can kind of feel a sense of shame, like. Maybe that's who I am. That's what will lead to binge drinking again, and then oh, I feel really. This is who I am now. And that's see the difference. Guilt is about others. Shame is about self. Yeah, I think in that scenario, shame is going to lead you down a negative spiral towards it getting worse and worse and becoming, I guess, alcoholic. In that example, guilt will very quickly reverse and turn around. I think that's the difference between they're two very similar. Feelings and kind of emotion. Any emotion that you let out of control, happiness, right? You let that yeah. go out of control, you keep going with that, you're going to go fucking crazy, yeah? 
So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That you, we're, you're talking about levels really? of things pushing through. Yeah, I'd love to be happy out of control all the time. No, never going to happen. Yeah, you be happy, Smurf. Euphoric. Do you understand that? What I'm sort of <laughs> <laughs> clearly I know because I want to be happy all the time. <laughs> you can't be happy all the time. Happy right this now, is Mark. what we're saying. You can't. Well, I'm saying, and you guys obviously can be happy as much as you want, but. And this, we talked happy. about this, the yin-yang, the, the black, the white, the, the, they're always well, has to be. What gives you happiness is, is the yin and the yang. You can, why can't you be happy all the time? It's just not happiness then, is it? Because happiness comes from being from somewhere to somewhere. No, happiness is a state. Yeah, happiness which has come from something. And no, happiness state. is a choice. You can choose the state. Yeah. Happiness so you choose it. So there's two things. What are you choosing? Yeah, That's a whole other topic. You understand what I'm saying. Anyway, <laughs> gentlemen. Thanks for being open with me. Thanks for being vulnerable. Interesting Thank topic, huh? Thanks for being happy. <laughs> Good topic. I Thank- mean, uh, it was tricky. I, I think we sort of struggled to navigate it a little bit, but um, no, it was good. Well, there's been enough shame in this group for you know that, that we've that seen from time that we just had to get there and be open enough to get there ourselves. So there's so many different levels. It's so complex. Like it's. But I think the more you can practice being vulnerable, uh, the better. And um, like with Matt, kind of doing the social media thing was kind of my tool of um, also working through it a lot um, as well over the last kind of 12 months too, you know. And so because it exposes you. being you're, being you're putting yourself out there to be judged, to be commented on, to do all these things. And so um, the more and, – and Brene talks about that. You know, uh, you, you've got to go – again – she, it's the same common thread. You've got to put yourself into the uncomfortable situations and push yourself into the uncomfort, um, but that is the best place to be. Um, and you've got to keep doing those things. And being vulnerable will be uncomfortable. Showing weakness will be uncomfortable. But, you know, as I think as a man, you know, open up and say to your mate, it's the, the, the whole thing that, you know, it's the are you okay movement. It's all of those things like, Find someone who you are close with. We're very lucky and grateful, um, I mean, to be sitting in this room, to even having this conversation, right? And there are a lot of people out there uh, who don't. And I think, you know, if we can encourage anyone to at least Just be, be a little, yeah, be a little bit open. Be vulnerable. Start small. Start yeah. with something small. Don't just... You know, like as we talked about, like I think with Matt, you just come all blurt, blurt it all out. <laughs> you know, work up to it. Do the work. Like Brene has said, do the work. Um, and don't use it as a tool. Don't use vulnerability as a manipulative tool because I think people are starting to use that <laughs> as a tool. Like never mention that you're vulnerable when you're telling somebody you're being vulnerable, if you know what I mean. Like a lot of people I think these days are starting to use it. Double negative. It's, 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 a, it's becoming a buzzword, you know, vulnerability. You know, I am... Like, I'm okay with any of it at the moment. I'd rather go over than under on this topic. So anyone that wants to share on vulnerability, I'm go for I'm not saying it. don't do it. I'm just saying do it from the heart. Yeah, but hey, I mean, you get put caveats on it, people aren't going to do it. I thought you'd love that. Do it from the heart, Conrad. I thought this was the thing. <laughs> All right. In, in the attempt of being vulnerable, we'd love some comments, likes, feedback, shares. Uh, as, it's, as, as we said, this is a topic that was given to us from a listener uh, and a friend, and I would love to hear... From any male or female, um, what or, thought- or non-binary gender, yeah, whatever we could do. I guess we're in one of those communities. But um, yeah, please, please be vulnerable. Open up to us. We'd love to hear what you think on this topic. It is a big one. Uh, I appreciate. It. I'm not sure we've done it as much justice as we would like to, and no doubt we'll come back again to haunt us somewhere. Um, and on that note, champagne. Peace. See ya. See ya. <laughs>